And that is justification through the altar, through the blood, and then sanctification through the washing of the defilement of the priests. And of course, after coming to the altar and having the blood atonement applied, and then walking through the courtyard, they also needed to wash in the altar or the laver. Welcome and thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak Today. We move from the altar to the laver today as we continue to look at these items of furniture that the priests used to worship God in the tabernacle. They came through the outer gate that was extremely wide, then to the altar that was in the center of the outer court, and after the sacrifice was laid on the altar, the fire consumed it, the ashes were raked out, then the priest went to the laver. Before he would enter into the holy place, the center court, he washed his clothes and himself from the defilement of the sacrificial work and made sure that he entered into God's presence pure and clean. That's the message today as we come to let the Bible speak from the pulpit of our church. Just think with me for a moment on the subject of prayer, and I'm sure you'll agree with me that prayer is a mystery. It is bigger than ourselves, bigger than our minds, and bigger than our talents. And this is why many people are intimidated when it comes to seeking God earnestly in prayer, especially in the public prayer meeting of the church. Prayer makes us very small, for we come into the presence of the Creator, the very one who made the world, and we're asking for bread, for mercy, and for safety. People have many questions about prayer. Firstly, does it really work? And why does God ever need us to pray if he has all the power and is going to do that work anyway? And some people think that, uh, you know, all this asking, seeking, knocking is just a lot of religious hype and exercise. Well, I think that uh, so often we really don't understand what God is wanting to do through us. And this is the great privilege. God he foreordains the means, and he fulfills his will by using the prayers of his people. And there is this holy merging of the will of God with the will of man. And when we are praying in the will of God, we will ask for the right things, we will seek for that with all of our hearts, and we will knock with confidence, knowing that heaven itself will be open to us. And so we come again to this mystery of prayer. And the, the Lord has given us a great promise. If ye then know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? This is one of the uh, amazing and wonderful prayers of the Bible. And it encourages us to pray for the very thing that God wants to bestow upon us. And I exhort you today to begin a life of earnest prayer. Without prayer, you will be a very weak Christian. Every servant of God, every missionary, every one who has triumphed for the Lord 
has done so through the power of prayer. And prayer is the essential that we may abide in the Lord to bring forth fruit. And the Lord Jesus has told us that without me, ye can do nothing. So let that sink into your heart today. And I trust you'll stay tuned with us as we come to the subject of the labor, the need for cleansing before we approach God in his holy presence. We also now have the hymn at Calvary. Oh, that's, that's where it all begins. And we'll never pray until we go to Calvary to be washed from our sins. I got caught on that final stanza. I thought that was the end of the hymn, but you can't blame me for not being eager to preach. Uh, after all those verses, uh, certainly eager to get to the preaching part. So here we are. We're coming today to Exodus 30 and to those verses that we read concerning the labor. Now, we're interested in the deeper devotional life. We started out talking about Mary and Martha, Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and we want everybody to be more like Mary and less like Martha. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, Mary's a lazy slob with a dirty kitchen, and you can't see through the windows for all the filth of the years that she's been so busy that she's never kept her home clean. Let's always keep things in balance, of course. Uh, but it is the privilege of the Christian to have a personal, daily devotion with the Lord Jesus. Nevertheless, I think every Christian you talk to will agree that it's a struggle. In the middle of the pots and pans of life, it is not easy to have 
a growing devotional life with the Lord Jesus. Why is this? Because we all live in the wilderness, and we suffer the pollutions of the world. Now, we're going to learn here about the Israelite using the labor to wash off the filth of the wilderness, but the filth that we're talking about, of course, is the pollution of our minds, the pollution of our hearts, the pollution of our very best intentions. They can become muddied by the world in which we live. Now, the big issue for these Old Testament priests was they were to come in, humanly speaking, perfect purity. They were entered into God's presence. They were dressed in white linen. And yet, with that courtyard set up in the desert, dust and dirt was everywhere. And they wore open sandals or shoes, and uh, no matter how they carefully chose their steps. They ended up with defiled feet and hands from the, the handling of the sacrifices, and they had to come and wash. And that was the purpose of this laver, this large tank of water positioned in the court between the altar of sacrifice and the tent inside of which was all the furniture and the holy artifacts and the presence of the glory of God. And so there are two main objects in the courtyard for the people of God. There's the altar of sacrifice and the labor of washing. And that is justification through the altar, through the blood, and then sanctification through the washing of the defilement of the priests. And of course, after coming to the altar and having the blood atonement applied, and then walking through the courtyard, they also needed to wash in the altar or the laver. Now, about this laver, there are no dimensions given. One of the strangest things about this item uh, in comparison to all the others, and, and all the other things, you're given minute detail, size, shape, uh, all the specifications are given, but with this labor, there's no dimensions whatsoever. And our understanding of it is really taken from a later date when there were labors in the temple that Solomon built, and then there are some dimensions that are given, and they sort of extrapolate what, what was used in the temple and what would be required here. But the Bible is not specific about uh, the actual dimensions of this tank of water called a laver. There's one thing that I would point out, and that is that the priest did not wash in it, they washed at it. If you look at verse 19, it says, For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. It does not say therein. And of course, this is quite consistent with the manner of washing of, of Israelites and Jews. They washed under running water. They did not wash in water that was contained, that got dirtied and polluted as people washed in it. But they washed under running water. And so it's understood that this laver had, while there was a, a tank to hold X amount of water, that there were taps or fonts 
by which they used the water to flow. So this tank would look like a, a saucer, a cup and saucer. The tank with a large brim around, uh, however it flowed out, however the water was controlled, so that the priests could come and under running taps of water, wash their hands and wash their feet. Now, this language of the labor of washing clean hands and so on, you'll, you'll notice it all through the Old and New Testament. Uh, you'll find it in the Psalm 24, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. You'll find this language also in the New Testament, the very text we recited earlier. It, it talked about the washing of the word. And then the Lord Jesus said to Peter, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And there are a number of other verses that we'll probably get to here in our message, uh, where this language of devotion, approach to God, coming into God's presence, demands purity, washing, cleansing, and it, it, it really all funnels down to this great truth, that devotion, approach, nearness to God, demands holiness, purity. That is the absolute. God says to us today, be ye holy, for I am holy. And as we look at this labor, we're going to learn over and over and over this strict need to be a holy people. God wants his people to be a holy people. And if you are going to enjoy a life of deeper, sweeter fellowship with the Lord, you need to learn from this labor that the Lord will demand clean hearts clean minds, and purity of life, that we may worship him. It is wrong to think that the worldly ungodly man can rush into the sanctuary of God's house among God's people and enjoy deeper fellowship. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. The labor teaches us that we must wash. Now, at the labor, we learn of God's strict holiness. Did you notice in verse 20 of our Bible reading here uh, that it says, When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. That they die not. What, what, what kind of God is this? That if you approach God, you're in danger of death. And yet that was the, the trembling situation of these priests as they would dare to go into the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest would go into the very holy place, the inner Holy of Holies. And these priests, as they handled holy things, as they would minister to God, they were under this threat. Be holy or die. So what kind of God is this? Well, he's a holy God. He's a holy God. I wonder, has that sunk in? A God who is terrible in holiness. That's the God of Israel. 
It's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. He was terrible in the mount. And when Moses went up into the mountain, the people remained at the bottom and they saw the smoke ascending. They saw the lightning. They saw the fire. And Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock from the glory of the holiness of God. He was terrible with Nadab and Abihu, those sons who brought strange fire. And God smote them dead, for they came in a proud manner with strange fire. This is the God whom we worship. He's terrible against those who murmured. If you remember the serpents, many died. At another time, whenever the earth opened and 70,000 fell into the pit, that's the God whom we worship. He's terrible when we come into his presence, of whom Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone. He's terrible in his demands for atonement. He demands the death of the sacrifice for sin. And of course, that brings us to Calvary. And he's terrible in his demands that he demanded his own son to be put to death, that he may deliver men from sin. God spared not his own son. And so we learn from this labor and this instruction, lest ye die, that God is holy, and he's to be feared when we come to worship him. I think that's a very lacking, lost component in worship. True worship begins with godly fear, godly fear. And the Christian church must fight against the sloppy, the casual, the worldly approach to God in worship. We have to fight it. If we're going to be the people of God who worship in spirit and truth, we've got to resist what is the trend in so many churches around us in, in our day to make a comfortable pew where people are, are, are never threatened, where no one is faced with their need of reconciliation to God, and where worship is conducted in a fleshly, man-focused, emotional, entertaining manner to impress men. That sickens God and his curse is upon it. Oh, to think that people are going to ministries of death today, ministries that are spiritually leading souls to damnation, and they come out of such so-called churches twice the child of hell rather than going to heaven. That's what we learn from the laver. God demands purity in worship. And so we pray that God makes our ministry a ministry of life, a savor of life, that it leads men and women from the error to the truth, from bondage to liberty in Christ, from their own self-man-made imaginations and notions to the knowledge of a holy, gracious God. And they come to know him and serve him. At the labor, we also learn of the worshiper's daily need for cleansing. 
I see the priests going about their daily work inside the court. And of course, they've got two big problems. One, the filth of the desert. Dust everywhere. This is, this is uh, land that is just rocks and dirt and dust. And they set up the tabernacle in this wilderness, and the priests are to do their ministry, and they get filthy. Then also from the handling of those sacrifices, have you ever seen a clean butcher? He's not doing very much work if he's a clean butcher. Those aprons that a butcher wears, they soon become polluted. And so for the priest, the very nature of his work and the very environment in which he was working, it all meant that he needed daily, daily cleansing. And this labor... He had to be dirt conscious. He couldn't be blind to the, the mess that he was in or the, the dust that was on his feet. That labor made him dirt conscious. And that labor to us makes us sin conscious. And this is something you're going to learn about a deeper devotional life with the Lord. The closer you get to the Lord, the nearer you want to live in his fellowship, the more sin-conscious you become. That's, in, in, in carnal thinking, almost an anomaly. That's like upside-down thinking. You mean that the, the closer I get to the Lord, the more I see my sin? That's right. But I'm justified. I've been washed in the blood of Christ. My sins are gone. But, my friend, you're worshiping and serving in the world. And the filth of this world and the pollution of this world and the thinking of this world enters into us. And we have to confess that that sin, it comes between us and the Lord. And if we're really wanting to be like Mary for a deeper devotional life with the Lord, we need the washing of the labor. We need to be made clean. And we need to see ourselves as we really are. Now, if you turn with me to Exodus 38, verse 8, you will learn that this labor, some part of it, if not all of it, was made of brass, and the brass was taken from, do you see it here? Uh, Exodus 38, verse 8, the looking glasses of the women. You know, women haven't changed very much in all these years. Women seem to spend more time at the mirror than, than, than men. That's the way it should be, I suppose. I'd get a little bit worried if I found out there were men that spent more time at the mirror than their wives. But these women who use these looking glasses for their own appearance surrendered them and they were used to make the labor. And so the ability to have a mirror image that the women enjoyed was also enjoyed by the priests as they came to the labor. And as they approached the labor and looked in, they saw the reflection of their own state. It made them even more dirt conscious, pollution conscious. It enabled them to see where the defilement was and how they needed to wash. 
So it was just as we would have in many of our uh, bathrooms or washrooms. We would have a sink with a mirror. As they came to the laver, there was water, but there was also the mirror to look and gaze in. And my friend, if you're looking for a deeper devotional life with the Lord, it takes that self-examination. And we're going to learn that this labor is the Word of God. And the very way that you will examine yourself is coming to the Word. And as you spend time in God's Word, you will learn more and more the need for cleansing, the need for purity, the need for holiness. We need this cleansing. And growth in grace, growth in holiness, growth in devotion with the Lord also means growth in our consciousness, our awareness of the things that pollute. And as you seek to grow in grace and in your devotion with the Lord, there are things that you never thought were sins that come now and stare you in the face, and they come between you and fellowship with the Lord. And you've got to deal with them. You've got to apply the Word. You've got to wash. You've got to make yourself clean. You've got to come to the labor and to purify yourself from those defiled. Thank you for taking the time to join with us here on Let the Bible Speak Today. I trust that you've enjoyed our little devotion on prayer, also the message in song at Calvary, and this word on the labor. Worship unto God is to be done in holiness and purity. What a difference from the man who rushes into God's presence and with noise, clamor, and with much speaking, thinks that he can approach God. In the Old Testament, we find that the way of worship was the way through the altar, by the sacrifice, by the blood that was shed, and the offering that was consumed on the fire. Then he moved to the laver, and there as he looked into that water-filled basin, he could see his own image. And as the reflection of that water revealed the defilement in his own body and person, he needed to wash it away. God has given us his word to cleanse our minds, and the Lord says, Now are ye clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. And the word of God is that which cleanses us, gives us a new mind, and renews and restores our mind, that the words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart might be acceptable in God's sight. So I do appreciate you joining with us here in the program. If I can be of personal help, I hope that you will be in touch and that you will let us know and that you're listening in, that you're benefiting from these programs. And if you'd like a CD, a copy of these messages or of our magazine, feel free to be in touch with us here. All the details are coming up now, phone number, website, and so on. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. 
There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.